Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. All right, come with me in your Bibles to the book, the book of Acts, the book of action, the book of action. Um, if we can throw the title of this message up because I forgot what it is, it's something about a New Testament life or something. Somewhere. Here it is. A New Testament life. Today I want to talk to you on a New Testament life. Because, you know, I love preaching out of the Old Testament, but the Old Testament only makes sense when you come into the New Testament. The Old Testament was about you trying to do enough to get God's smile, to, to earn, your, earn your way into God's good books. And the whole point of the Old Testament was for you to come to the realization that, oh, shoot, I can't do this. I need a savior. The problem was the religious people understood that if they could fake it till they make it, like beautiful Pastor Michaela was talking about today, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious priests, the chief priests, the scribes, they felt like they could fake it and they would enjoy power, they would enjoy prestige, they would enjoy privilege in the marketplace. And so Jesus says, you guys are not in the kingdom and you prevent others from entering. You travel land and sea to make one convert. And when you do convert him, you make him twice the son of hell that you are whitewashed tombs, hypocrites. He was ticked off because the whole point of Jesus coming was they were meant to lead the people to the conundrum that no matter how hard we try, no matter how hard we strive, we cannot within ourselves produce the righteousness that makes us acceptable before God. We need the Mashiach to come. And if they would have done that, they would have recognized that the Messiah had to be slain. He had to be the Passover. He had to be the lamb slain on the cross so that all of our sin could be put on him and all of his innocence and righteousness could be conveyed to us so that we could walk before God. So now Jesus is risen. Acts chapter 1 verse 4, being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they come together, they ask him saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus said to him, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power. Everyone say power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Then uh, skip over to, to Acts chapter 2 verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Fill the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. One set upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then it goes on about there were people outside and they were Cretans and Arabs and, you know, people from Thessalonica, from all over the world. And they could hear them speaking in their own languages, declaring the wonderful works of God. 
And people said, man, what is this? They were amazed. And others said, oh, you know, they're probably just drunk. Well, if you're drunk and you're coherent, you're obviously not drunk. If you're speaking coherently to people about the wonderful works of God. So Peter gets up and says, we're not drunk as you suppose. It's only 9 a.m., you jack wagons. It's only 9 a.m. in the morning. This is the Holy Spirit. This is what God prophesied through uh, Joel, that in the last days I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Young men see visions. Old men dream dreams. Even on my men servants. My... And so he goes on. So from that, from this passage of scripture, I want to draw four things for you. The first thing that is very, very important is point number one is you got to be in the right place. You got to be in the right place. I find it so interesting, Pastor Lance, that Jesus said, "I want you to wait in Jerusalem." till you receive the promise. Like what the Holy Spirit can't fall on me if I'm in, in, in Bethlehem. The Holy Spirit can't fall on me if I'm in Jericho. The Holy Spirit can't fall on me if I'm up in Capernaum or in Galilee, like why? But, but, but there's something about a place. There's something about a place. The Bible says that, that Jacob came to a certain place. He came to a certain place and there in that place, he put a stone for a pillow and that night he dreamed a dream and he saw a ladder set up between heaven and earth, angels ascending and descending. And then the Lord spoke to him and said, the place on which you lie, I have given to you and to your descendants. In fact, everything that you see, I'm giving to you. God met him in a certain place. The Bible says that Moses led the flock of Jethro and he went out to Horeb, the mountain of God, and a burning bush caught on fire. And God began to speak from the bush. But it wasn't just the bush. It was the location. The location was, was a, a sacred location. It was, it was a consecrated, it was a sanctified location. How do we know this? Because God says to Moses, take the sandals off your feet because the place that you are standing on is holy ground. I say all of that to say this, that, that, that uh, probably one of the things that has broken my heart the most over the years is seeing people that think, oh my gosh, like, you know, God is everywhere and, you know, what God is doing here, he can do over here in Oklahoma or over here in, and they, they move from their place. Proverbs 27 verse 8, Proverbs 27 verse 8 says, as a bird who wanders from its nest so is a man who wanders from his place. As a bird wanders from his nest, so is a man who wanders from his place. What does that mean? Well, a bird who wanders from its nest leaves its young vulnerable, leaves the next generation vulnerable, but a bird also who wanders from its nest becomes susceptible to being taken out by a predator, by prey. It becomes prey. And in the same way, we've seen over the years, people, where there's a business opportunity here or there's a great opportunity there. And, and I feel like I would be a bad shepherd if I said to you, if I said to you, hey, that's fine. God is everywhere. God is sovereign. He can meet you everywhere. I honestly believe that there is a place for you. I, I, I believe that God is a God of geography. I believe he's a God. Of, he said, I want you to wait in Jerusalem until you've received power. I don't want you to depart from Jerusalem. This is, the Bible says when they, when they were in the house, 
where they were sitting. That's where God turned up. That's where the power fell. There's something about being in the house of God. Now, does that mean it was easy? No, because we know that there were like over 500 that, that got the invitation. Only 120 were able to endure those 10 days to be there when the Holy Ghost fell. There are going to be many, many opportunities. If, if you said to me, hey, over the you know 30-something years now that you've been in ministry, what would you say was some of the most uh, powerful developmental years of your life, I would say it was the seven years that we were in Manukau City, New Zealand. The seven years we were in Manukau City, New Zealand, where it was filled with adverse circumstances. It was filled with a, with a pastor who was driven by ego, with a wife who was so broken that, that she made it her quest to try to destroy my wife. The, the, the church was full of dysfunction, was full of brokenness, injustice, cruelty, unkindness, dysfunction like you wouldn't believe. And yet it was in those, those years where we would have other voices say to us, hey, uh, you know, if you left, no one would blame you. If you moved on, no one would blame you. We had people offer us, hey, why don't you come here? Why we, we, we would love to have you be our youth pastor. Well, whatever you're earning. I had a, an American pastor who came through and uh, he, uh, he found out what I was earning. And then he offered me double what I was earning if I would come and be his youth pastor. And even though it would have brought relief to our financial position and I could have, I could have easily justified, well, this is God and God opens doors and, and uh, you know, it's blessing and, you know, my family's going to be taken care of. I knew in my heart that I was not to leave, that I was to stay in my place. It was not easy. It was difficult, but to stay in your place. Can I just tell you, anybody can leave looking for fair weather. We saw it in 2020. People fled the, the blue states for the red and um, just abandon the, the red states. I'm, I'm glad that we've got a church full of people right now who said, you know what, we're going to draw a line in the sand. Somebody's got to fight for California. We're not just going to give it over to the wicked. We're not going to give it over to the unrighteous. We're not going to give it up to the globalists. We're going to stand here and we're going to fight. And we'll fight one school board at a time, one county election at a time, one district at a time. We're going to fight. We're going to flip seats. We're going to end corruption. And we're going to make this a, this a haven. You know, Joseph, when, when he went down to uh, Egypt, when Joseph went down to Egypt, he, he, was, he, was, he was, it looked like this was outside of the will of God. But Joseph later, when the brothers came, said, listen, what you meant, you meant for evil. But God sent me to Egypt ahead of you. In other words, he used all of your dysfunction and your jealousy and your envy to get rid of me, to actually send me down to Egypt so that I could save your sorry, your sorry, <laughs> sorry butts. I could save you. Do not be afraid. From now on, I'm going to take care of you, your wives, your little ones, and all your flocks and all your herds. What you did for evil, God meant for good. He, 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 he was honestly, if you look, 17 years of age, when this happened, he was a spoiled little brat. He, he had a, a tunic of many colors. He, you know, he wore his father's favor and he let the other brothers know that he was daddy's favorite. And the Bible says he would tattletale on the brothers and the brothers hated him because he was the little tattletale. And so they said, here comes the dreamer, let's kill him with his dreams. And they, they did not like him, but there was something about the anointing on him and the calling upon him that could not be developed where he was. God had to put him in a place. Yeah. 
in a certain place. And that, that place was agitating. That place was not comfortable. That place was under Potiphar. Under Potiphar, Joseph now was not the prince of the house. He was the slave of the house. They didn't treat him like a prince. They treated him like a servant, like a slave. Jesus didn't come as the prince. He came as a servant. He came as a servant. It's, ama it's amazing. Uh, you'll never know that you're a servant until you're treated like one. You'll never know you're a servant until you're treated like one. And a servant, Jesus said to, to the disciples, he said, you know, um, you, know you, are, you, you call me Lord and rightly so. He says, but let me just tell you this. Like uh, the master, when the servants come in from the field, after working all day in the field, the master will say, hey, now prepare my supper. And when they prepare the supper, the, the master doesn't say, oh, thank you. You guys are so, he says, that's what the servants are meant to do. And it's this kind of like, whoa, that's a little, little strong. That's a little entitled. But Jesus was just trying to put, he's, he's trying to teach kingdom things. He's trying to teach kingdom things. If, if you're serving because you have to be recognized or you have to be thanked or you have to be honored or you've got to receive a gift, it's what Pastor Mike Connell was talking about, that, that the word for pure, purity in heart, or it might have been J. John, J. John talked about purity in heart means, means unmixed agendas. If you have a mixed agenda, well, I'll serve, and by serving, I'll be recognized. By serving, I'll be promoted. By serving, I'll be valued. By ser you got to get your value from God. Whether people thank me for, for leading this church is irrelevant. I'm not doing it because people thank me. I'm not doing it because... Which one's the more popular? Which one will get more likes? Which one will be? I'm not doing for that. My security is in God. Joseph is in uh, Egypt in Potiphar's house, and he has to now execute. He can't get by on he's the cute guy and he's daddy's favorite and he gets away with things. He's got to produce. And the Bible says that all of a sudden, everything that he does so prospered that Potiphar just put, put all of his chips on Joseph's because everything under Joseph prospered. Then from there, he ends up in the prison. But even in the prison, the Lord was with Joseph in the prison. He had to learn in the prison. So he comes from the, the Potiphar's house to the prison. And then from there, he gets the promotion into the palace. But by the time he gets to the palace, he goes from a, a spoiled little 17-year-old to a 30-year-old who can execute, a 30-year-old who can take orders, a 30-year-old who can carry responsibility without being asked, a 30-year-old who has initiative, a 30-year-old who gets results, a 30-year-old who gets things done. That would never have happened in his home. He had to go to the certain place. The Bible says God said to Abraham, Abraham, I want you to take now your son Isaac, your only son whom you love, and offer him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of Moriah, which I will show you. And the Bible says, when Abraham set out, he came and he lifted his eyes and he looked and he saw the place. He saw the place. There was a specific place. And so Abraham then took his son, his only son, uh, Isaac, and bound him and put him on the altar. And as he pulled out the knife, God said, stop, stop. And he turns around and there's a ram caught in the thicket that at, at that place, there would be a substitute made. 
God would require the firstborn son, and but there would be a substitute made. It was, it was on a particular place in Moriah. That same place, many, many years later, about a thousand years later, David buys from a guy called Nation who had a threshing floor there. And David said, God said to David, because of the plague, I want you to buy this place. This, this spot of ground is sacred because it'll stop the plague. And so David bought that gave an offering in that certain place and the plague was stopped. Then when David had in his heart to build a temple, God says, you're not to do it. You're, you've got bloodshed on your hands. Your son Solomon, a young man of peace, he's going to do it. And that same altar, that same place became the holy of holies. And they built the temple around that place. There was something sacred about that place. I say all of that to say this, that, there's, that, that when you feel pressure, when you feel that you want to run, that you want to escape, escape to a vacation, escape to a weekend away, escape, but don't leave your place. There's something about the place. There's something about the agitation. There's something about the pressure. There's something about injustice. There's something about don't run from your place. I, we, we've seen it, baby. Over the years, people that left their place for greener pastures. For Listen, if the grass is greener in your neighbor's yard, it's because it got more fertilizer. Fertilizer is a nice word for fertilizer happens. If it's greener, it's because they got more fertilizer to deal with. So you may say, I want that. Well, if you're willing to deal with a little more fertilizer, your grass will be greener too. All of a sudden you're like, you know what? I like, I like these brown stuff. I don't need any more fertilizer in my life. God has a place for you. God has a place for you. And, and I say all of that really to, to, to uh, try to empower and champion our pastors and leaders. Like when people say, hey, we got this business opportunity or we got this, to really pray about it. And if, and if you know, like if you don't feel like a, a release, I want you to feel free to say, hey man, that's a good opportunity, but is it a God? Because there's a big gap between good and between God. It's really interesting, Naaman, the, the Syrian commander, he, you know, he has a servant girl from uh, Israel and she says, oh, if only you would go down to Israel. There's a prophet in Israel by the name of Elisha. God does miracles through this guy. He would surely cleanse you. So he turns up to Elisha's house. And Elisha doesn't even bother going out. He just sends um, his servant Gehazi. And Gehazi goes out with a message. And he says, oh, listen, go down to the Jordan River, dip seven times, and you'll be clean. And Naaman was, I mean, he was ticked. He, he was ticked. He's like, the Jordan River? Are you, are you kidding me? Are not, are not the rivers of Syria much more beautiful, much more pristine than the Jordan River? And he was offended. And then one of his, his armor bearers had to say to him, name and name. Whoa, whoa, whoa. If he would have asked for you to do something difficult, wouldn't you have done it? And Amos says, well, I thought, I thought the man of God himself would come out. And I thought he'd, you know, wave his hand and call upon the name of the Lord and lay hands on me. That's how I thought he would do it. And the guy's like, yeah, well, obviously he didn't, but just listen, what he asked you to do is just, there's a certain place. 
Sure, you could dip in your rivers, but there's no anointing in your river. There's something about the Jordan. God's been moving in the Jordan. God, God, God split the Jordan when the children of Israel came across. Like the priest put the ark. There's something about this place. And the Bible says when he stepped in and dipped seven times, the leprosy left him and he was completely, completely healed. There's something about a place. You've got to find your place. Find your place. Now, let me just say this. In your place, you will sometimes find you feel misplaced or displaced. Because you're in your place, but you're not yet in your, in your promotion or in your position. And so you'll feel like, man, I feel like I'm just kind of serving over here. I feel like I'm just a greeter on the door. I feel like I'm just entering data. I feel like I'm just, but there's a call. Of, yeah, yeah, it's Joseph. It's Joseph in Potiphar's house. It's Joseph. These are your development years. This is God testing you. Can you be faithful in the least so that I can give you much? You're in the right place. You'll know you're in the right place because sometimes you feel misplaced and displaced. But as God developing you, somebody say amen. Number two. Does that all make sense? Is that? I don't even know if I communicate. Anyway, number two is power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I love that because they wanted to know the end times. They wanted to be the end time church. They wanted to know, is this the time? Is this the season? They wanted to have kind of special knowledge. And Jesus like, hey, listen, guys, it's not for you to know the times and the seasons which the Father has set in his own authority, but it is for you to receive power. In other words, the kingdom doesn't come with you sitting on your fufu observing, waiting for it to happen. The kingdom comes with your engagement, with your petition, your participation. In other words, you go out and operate in power. You heal the sick. You raise the dead. You deliver people from demonic spirits. You break spiritual curses. You release blessing over people. And people are going to get saved and lives are going to be changed. And you're going to bring the kingdom of God to earth. You don't have to sit there and observe. It's not like, you know, all orchestrated and you're just a uh, uh, spectator. You're not a spectator in the arena. You are a participator. You are a warrior. You are going into the arena and you are taking down your Goliaths and you are taking down your giants. Jesus says you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And I love that because we can't be a power church if we don't empower people. How can we say, oh, well, you know, we're a church, you know, we believe in the Holy Spirit and we believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, but, but really that power is only amongst a few. I, I love the story in Mark 9 where, where Jesus is up on the mountain with the three and the nine are left in, the, in the, the village. And then when Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration, a, a man brings his son to Jesus and said, you know, He's epileptic. He gets thrown into the fire and thrown in the water when this demon manifests. I brought him to your disciples to cure him, but they could not. They could not. And it's a powerful picture of a, a church without power. A church without power. They still had the title of disciples of Jesus. They never lost their title. They never lost their, their position. They were, they were positioned to be around Jesus. They had the titles, but they had no power. Which means that, which means that our, our church, we, we, we can get so caught up in our titles, I'm pastor, I'm pastor, such and such, but no power. 
Power comes from being in, a, in an upper room. Power comes from being in the place. You have no idea. I, I, the fear of God is I don't want to miss my place. People are like, oh, pastor, we need a church in Tampa. Pastor, we need a church in, in Austin. Pastor, we need a church in, we need a church in. Knock yourself out. I ain't doing Jack Diddley squat. I was a reluctant to go to Salt Lake and I was a reluctant to go to Boise. I'm glad we're in Salt Lake. I'm glad we're in Boise. But I know my assignment, my field that God gave me was San Diego originally. Everything else is a God exception, not a Jurgen invention or concoction, because I'm, I, I'm, I'm, I have the fear of the Lord that God puts power when I'm in the right place. When you're in the right place, you'll always know because power falls in that place. We have to be a church of power. We have to be a church of power. We have to be a church of power. For the last two or three weeks, we've had Mike Connell through and we saw a power demonstration driving out demonic powers, principalities and powers. These are powers. They have a power. Demons have a power. They have a power to corrupt. They have a power to defile. They have a power to destroy. They have a power to confuse. That's We drive those things out. They have a power to torment. We drive out their power with a greater power. We better be a church with power. I like the power of God. I like the power of God that when people say, hey, I've been diagnosed terminal, that, well, that's what the doctors say. Let's see what God says. Come and let me introduce you to the most high God. He's the most high because there isn't any higher and he has power. Jesus didn't give them knowledge. He didn't give, I mean, he gave them knowledge, but that wasn't the final quest. He didn't say, hey, all you need is knowledge. All you need is understanding. He says, I want you to wait in Jerusalem till you receive power. The church must have power. The number one contended thing by the devil of the church is to have a church that is powerless. We can't be a powerless church. The woke gospel is just the gospel without any power. The woke gospel is a gospel with the power removed. We are not a powerless church. We are a power-filled church. To do that, we have to power-fill people. That means that when they get saved, we recognize that's not the end. We don't take a bow. Jesus, look how awesome we are. We had 300 people saved. Our, our assignment doesn't finish at salvation. It begins at salvation. Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples. Make disciples. Discipleship means great. Now that you're saved, there's a baptism God wants to give you, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, the power of God. And let me just tell you this. When the Holy Ghost comes, He will begin to bring up to the surface demonic stuff. When I got filled with the Holy Spirit, as I'm laying on the ground being filled with the Holy Spirit, all of a sudden, um, lust and, and pornography and all this stuff that I'd been struggling with came up. And I'm like, dear God, not here. This is a holy place at a prayer meeting. Now, why is this stuff coming up? Why is my mind going to these, you know, these pictures in my mind? I, I didn't realize at the time, but the Holy Spirit says, well, if I'm moving in, I got to throw this stuff out. I got I to gotta kick this stuff to the curb. You don't want, he was house cleaning. When you get baptized with the Holy Spirit, you need to get baptized with the Holy Spirit because you're hiding stuff in the basement. You're hiding stuff in the attic, or you may not be intentional hiding, but it's hidden there. It's cloaked behind generational sin, familial sin, family curses, family lines.
minds and the Holy Ghost sees it. He detects it. He's a discerner of spirits and he's going to go down into the basement and start dragging stuff up. He's going to go to the attic. You know what? The worst thing you can do is run. So many people, oh my gosh, I'm running because, you know, Dr. Matt called me out on this. Pastor Mike called me out on this. Pastor Lance discerned this. And how, who does he think he is to judge me? Well, he's probably got his own junk in the truck. And, 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 but, but you got to understand, like, you're in the right place. You're safe. We're, we're a church with the power to remove things. And we're a church that operates in the love of God to remove things. But we got to get people baptized in the Holy Ghost. Why? Because we want them to have power. We want them to have power. And when they got power, they spoke in tongues. The greatest thing you can do, I mean, it's the greatest gift. You think, well, what does speaking in languages you've never learned have to do with, with power? Everything. If you understood what you were saying, you'd interrupt the whole time. Oh, excuse me, Holy Spirit. <laughs> How's that going to happen? We would interrupt the whole time. So the Holy Ghost finally, is like, finally, finally, I can take them beyond where they are. Watch this. Watch this. Acts chapter 3 is the next chapter. Peter and John go up to the temple at the hour of prayer or the afternoon prayer at 3 o'clock. And the Bible says they, they brought a man who was lame and the, who they lay daily at the gate. And as Peter and John were going past, you know, he lifted up his cup and, you know, he wanted money. And Peter said, silver and gold, we didn't bring. We don't have. But what we do have, we give to you. The, the New King James says that the man gave him their attention expecting to receive something. He, he had an expectation. And the Bible says, Peter says, silver and gold we don't have. What we do have, we give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And when he grabbed him and ripped him up, immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he began to jump and leap in the temple, praising God. When all the people saw that this was the, the, the lame man that was now walking, they marveled and glorified God. They then brought them to the Sanhedrin where Caiaphas and the, the priests were saying, hey, how did you do this? And he's like, hey, not in our righteousness, not in our, but in the name of Jesus who you crucified. So they said, well, you can't preach about Jesus. And like, well, you can blow it out your shorts because we're obeying God, not man. You know, this miracle. And then Peter says, you know, we're here on trial because we did a good deed for a beggar. We did a good deed for a beggar and now we're on trial like we're, like we're criminals, like we're lawbreakers. And I thought about that as I was reading it. Isn't that interesting? The greatest thing they could have done for the beggar is not giving him coins. One of the things that we saw over the woke years is the churches moving into social service programs. Social service programs. You'll always know when power has departed from the church because we're, you know, hey, 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 you know, there's not just this beggar here. There are thousands of beggars. And church, we need to make sure that we're and we're giving 10% of our budget to, to feed these beggars. And because they're, they're the greatest thing that Peter and John could do was make this guy no longer a beggar. He was no longer a beggar. He was no longer a cripple. He was no longer carried. He was no longer dysfunctional. He was no longer codependent on other people. He no longer had to be lifted up and have to be carried and have to be a burden. Instead of being a burden on other people, he could now be a blessing on other people because of power. He had a power encounter and, and he was transformed from being a beggar. But, you know, this is what God showed me. 
what God showed me was that his expectation. So you need to understand that there's something about when you're in the right place, you'll hear words, you'll be in an atmosphere, power will come and your expectation will be different. His expectation was coins. His expectation was to, that I will remain a beggar, but could you feed my, my hungry belly? Could you take care of me? Could you carry me? Could you feed me? Could you clothe me? Can you, can you be benevolent to me? But Peter and John, because they had power, they said, man, your expectation. We, we live in a city that is constantly hearing negative news, CNN and the, the, the negative lies of the devil. And there are people that they come in with such low expectation. If, if I'm preaching down to your expectation, I'm failing God. I believe in a power that says that you may come in divorced. You may come in broke. You may come in cursed. You may come in dysfunctional. You may come in codependent. You may come in, but there is a power in this house that when you come under this power, it will shatter all your expectations. You don't have to get divorced. You don't have to stay divorced. You don't have to live in dysfunction. You don't have to live with an addiction. You don't have to cohabit. You don't have to be dependent. You have to be on generational welfare. You don't have to struggle with poverty. This weekend, this weekend, what are we doing with, with Pathfinders? We're empowering people. And, and if, if people don't leave with a, an exalted expectation, we failed. This man's expectation was a few coins. Peter gave him freedom from being a beggar. The man will never have to beg again. He can now work. Somebody say amen. amen. Number three, number three is a prophetic life. A prophetic life. So when, when you're in the right place and you receive power, the next thing that happens is your life becomes prophetic. Not just your business, Morgan, your whole life. So when, 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 they, when they commanded Peter to stop preaching in this name, Peter says, listen, listen, this was what was prophesied by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, sons and daughters. What, what, what you're, we are a prophecy in motion. We are a prophetic word. You will begin to find that when you're in the right place and you get power, all of a sudden your life becomes prophetic. All of a sudden, you will find that the words that were spoken over your life and the words that were declared in the Bible, you find yourself congruent. I, it's so amazing. I tell everybody, the two greatest things you can discover when you read the Bible is first God and the second you. The two greatest things you discover when you read the Bible, first one is God. But once you see God, you should then begin to see you. When you begin to see you in the scriptures. Many, many years ago, I, I knew that, that uh, God was calling us to San Diego. We, we knew it was very clear. It wasn't an opportune time. It wasn't an easy time. My mother was terminal. Uh, you know, we'd bought an acre of land. And I mean, it just wasn't convenient. But I've found that quite often God will ask you to do what is most inconvenient to see whether you're, you're loyal to him or loyal to, to yourself. And so it was inconvenient. And so we came. But what God said to me was, I said, God, I know I'm not the first choice. And he said, you're right. I said, I'm probably not even in the top 10, hoping he would correct and go, Jurgs, you're number seven, perfect number. And he's like, you're right. I'm like, oh, shoot. I'm like, well, probably not in the top 20 then. Hoping to say, no, you're 11. No, not top 20. I got all the way to 50 or 60 and it was like too depressing. <laughs> and uh, so, and then the Holy Spirit, the helper, he, he said to me, well, it doesn't matter what number it is, just live in such a way that you're his last, that he doesn't need to look 
for somebody else to do His will. You can live in such a way. But this, this, is, this is what we began to realize, that there were prophecies over San Diego, that men of God over the, uh, over the last 150, maybe even 200 years, had prophesied over San Diego. And because there were prophetic words over San Diego, San Diego, the demons had responded by locking down San Diego, by shutting down San Diego. And we came, what was so beautiful when we arrived in San Diego, the first thing that happened was I met with local pastors and they gave me the temperature check. They told me, let, let, let me tell you, this is the, the, the temperature of the culture. If you want to build a big church, seeker friendly is the way to go. We looked you up online. Don't go Holy Spirit. Don't go Spirit-filled. That's, that's not going to work down here's Calvary Chapel Stronghold. Number two, yeah, your empowerment of women, yeah, you can't do that. That's not going to fly here. And number three, whatever you do, don't talk about money because this is Southern California. People are very materialistic. They'll give their money, but if you challenge them on their money, they will leave in the droves. And so it was awesome. I came back from the meeting and said, how'd it go? I said, oh, fantastic. I found the three things we're going to build our church on. We're going to be a Holy Ghost Church, we're going to empower women, and I'm going to be speaking about money. And so this weekend, what are we doing? We're speaking about money, and we've got incredible women like Natalie Contreras, who are going to be bringing down the house. You know, last night, my brother-in-law, Andy Cabala, was watching uh, all of our pastors speak, and, uh, you know, Mikey Yeager and Dr. Matt and the Hammer Time and Colin Higginbottom and, you know, watching all of our pastors speak, and then his favorites were... Kayla Ray Valentine, Becky Lynn Heinrichs. It was all of our girls. And I'm like, you just, they're just your favorites because they're pretty. And, uh, but he's like, no, there's like, listen, there's a sweetness and a propheticness. Can you imagine if uh, our city only ever heard from the men? The, the, something's got to be broken. Something's got to be misogynist. We, we, we do our people a disservice. So you, you, we found that we are fulfilling prophecy. When you're in the right place with power, you live a prophetic life. And the last one, number four, you'll find that you're operating in your divine purpose, your divine purpose. 3,000 people got saved at the end of Peter's thing. They began to speak in tongues because God was reversing the curse of Genesis 11 when God confused their languages and scattered them to the ends of the earth. Now he gives them languages and says, go to the ends of the earth and gather them into the kingdom. It's the reversal. You begin to find your divine purpose. Stay in the place. Stay in the place. But it's uncomfortable. That's God. Well, sometimes I feel displaced and misplaced. It's God. Stay in the place until God tells you to move. Don't move. Have the fear of God. Stay in there because you're going to get power. And, and let me just say this. With, with the power, I like the power. Don't think the power only works in church. Don't think the power only works in church. The, the, the house that I live in, I'm not smart enough and I didn't earn enough to have that house. So I thought, okay, wow. If I didn't earn enough to get that house, that means the power of God, the power of faith doesn't just work here. So why don't we buy land in Park City and just, and I didn't have a dollar when I did that. I didn't have a dollar when I had, did this one. And, I, and God comes through the same power. You need to understand you have an edge over the market. You have an edge over the people. You, the power of God that you get in here is for out there. It's not just, I mean, it works in here. You, you, you learn to use it in here, but it's for out there. It's for out there. You know, to, to become a better golfer, I've got to go to the driving range. But if all you ever see is me at the driving range, this, no, no, the, the point of the, is so that it works out there. 
It were, the church is the driving range where you're, where you're dialing in your swing, where you're learning how to move in the gifts and you're learning how to prophesy and you're learning how to, but it's for out there. The power is for out there so that you can see God take territory out there. Bank, bank. Loan managers should be confused on, hang on, hang on. How did you, how did you, how did you get 11 acres on a mansion with, that some Mormon guy built and because he, he's being sued, he needs to sell it for $3 million under its value and you just happen to, that's, that doesn't, ha, that's, that's God. That's a man who got power in here, but he's using it out there. How does the hammer time get a beautiful acre property out because he's, I hope it's all right that I say, but, you know, 2008, John lost, was it 14 properties all up? 14 properties. And it looked like from a financial, but what God has done, what God has restored, what God has built about, you get power in here, but it works out there. Come on, stand to your feet. The New Testament life. I love the New Testament life. This is what, this is what we preach. If every single person in San Diego knew what was available, none of our buildings would be big enough. We, we don't have enough services. We don't have enough parking spaces. We don't have enough venues. If people knew what was being delivered here every Sunday, every Wednesday, come on, lift your hands high to heaven. Father, I thank you for an infilling of your presence and infilling of your power. I pray for those that, that maybe the devil's been trying to get them to wander from their place. As a bird wanders from its nest, so is a man who wanders from his place. Stay in your place, but it's uncomfortable. Stay in your place, but, but, but I, I feel stay in your place. You may be on the anvil right now. You may be in the furnace right now. God is testing you. He's refining your faith like fire, the Bible says. Don't get out of it. You know, don't get out of the kitchen. Don't get out of the heat. Stay in the fire. Stay in the flame. God is with you in the fire. He steps into the furnace with you. Father, bless these beautiful people. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, Pastor Michaela. Wow. What an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I did. Hey, listen. Hey, listen. For more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com. Or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't, if you're ready, and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming accounts, and you can even even ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having loved with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. And God bless you. Live a life that is transformative for now.